going to go to Psalm 122. Um, but before that, I just want to encourage you. Uh, we are in the back with the table, and uh, please come and we have our family brochure. And uh, you can take it and put it in your Bibles and pray for us. We also have a magazine so you can read more about us. And it's all free. And then uh, if in your heart you have a heart to also be a witness to Jewish, Jewish people or Arab people, we have also this beautiful T-shirt that says in Hebrew, there is hope, yesh tikva. You have both in English, so you have a Hebrew and Arabic. And you can wear it wherever you go to a place where you know there are Jewish or Arab people. This is a wonderful opportunity to buy one of these t-shirts and put it on you. And uh, when they see that, they'll come and ask you questions. What book are you talking about? And they tell them, oh, there is hope in the Messiah. Amen? Yeah. So I'll start with your pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. By the way, did you know that you already speak few Hebrew words? Like, I'm sure you all know the word shalom. Shalom, right? And uh, every time you sing and you say hallelujah, you speak Hebrew. Well, let me explain to you in case you don't know. Hallelujah in Hebrew means let us praise. Yah short for Jehovah, Jehovah. So every time you sing and you say hallelujah, you're saying in Hebrew, let us praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So you better get used to this. Why? Because you know that's the language you're going to speak up there. You're not sure about that. We can argue about it later on. Another word, when you pray, do you say amen? Every time you say amen, it's a Hebrew word. You see, from the, in Hebrew, we, we, make, we take three letters and we make words. So we take the Amen letter, letters, and we have the word, for example, Emun. Emun means trust. He was talking about trust earlier. Another word we have from the same root letter, Amen, we have Emunah. Emunah means faith. So basically, every time we pray and we say Amen, we say, we trust God, in faith it shall be done. Amen. See, you keep praising the Lord in Hebrew, you keep praying in Hebrew, you're on the right track. <laughs> By the way, my name is Avi. Avi short for Abraham, Abraham, and my family name is Mizrahi, with a good Israeli. So you have, to, you have to practice this. That's right. Just clear your throat, you know. And uh, Mizrahi means in Hebrew from the east. So, in case you just forget my name, just remember, Father Abraham from the East, and I have four daughters, who has many daughters. This is how you remember not my name, okay? Father Abraham from the East, who has many daughters. Anyhow, let's go to Psalm 122. I was glad, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. By the way, your President Trump is on his way to Jerusalem. 
It's going to be with us tomorrow in Israel. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. So here there is, in verse 6, it says that those who love you, may they prosper. You want to prosper? Yeah. Only three people. <laughs> Don't love us. Don't love Jerusalem. But those who love you, may they prosper. Now, but there is a first part that we need to consider what it says. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And in Hebrew it goes, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Now, the word pray, Sha'alu, really the correct translation is, ask, find out, inquire, and pray. Now, what does it mean? Well, let me clarify this. Let's say, um, I want to pray for America. So Lord, I said, Lord, I pray for America, I bless them, bye-bye, arrivederci, I don't have time. And I come to America to see the Statue of Liberty in New York, and then I go and see Mickey in Orlando. And then I go back home to my country. I prayed for America, I've seen everything. And I never ever bothered to find out what God is doing with the believers. Never come and come find out Worship with you and dance with you. Right, Tony? It's not effective. See, God wants us to find out what He is doing. Inquire. And then when you find out and you inquire, then you know more specifically how to pray. And when you pray more specifically, you get results. Amen? So, okay, Avi, we got it. What does it mean to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? I'm so happy you asked. Well, let's have a Hebrew lesson. Can we have a short Hebrew lesson? You don't have to pay for it. It's free on the house. We'll have a short Hebrew lesson. First, let's see the word shalom. The word shalom in the Bible is 422 times. I mean, I don't have the time to go all the 422 places. You can do it at home. But I'll just take a few, few examples, quick examples. For example, in the book of Judges 11, there's this guy, Jephthah, who goes to war. And then he says, Lord, if I return back in peace, in shalom, then I'll do so and so. And he's using the word there for well-being, in safety. Okay? And then I'll come back in safety. Everything will be okay. Like in Luke chapter 11, talks about... Jesus says, when your goods are in peace, in shalom, is relating to safety. Another word, we have the, the word shalom in 2 Kings chapter 4. We have this prophet Elijah. And he sees the Shunammite woman coming and he goes, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? How? And he's using the word shalom. In other words, even today, if you come to Tel Aviv and you see somebody, you want to say, hey, how are you, brother? You doing well? We use the word Ma shlomcha is how is it with your peace? You have peace in your heart. So you use the word shalom for well-being, doing well. Another way we use is the word shalem. The word shalom has also the word shalem in it. Is the talking about this king Melchizedek, Genesis chapter fourteen, where he's the king of shalem, which is the city of Yerushalayim. Jerusalem. 
city of peace. Now, maybe I should take a few minutes and give you a Hebrew lesson, and then we'll have to do a test and see if you pass the test. Are you ready for the challenge? Okay. The first word, we, we take the three letters, sh and m, sh shin and mem, we have the word shalom, peace. The other word we have is shalem, which is the same letters, we just don't have vowels in Hebrew, we put them as points under the letters, and the word shalem means whole, complete. Not half, not quarter, but whole, shalem. Another word we have is shalem. Same letters, just different points, vowels, and the word shalem means a peace offering. What is a peace offering? It's whenever somebody sinned and he, he realized he has to restore peace with God, he had to bring a shalem, a peace offering to the temple. And when he did that and confessed his sin and brought his shalem, this peace offering, then his was restored peace with God and he could come home and clean and have the peace of God. Shalem. The last one is the word shilem. Again, using the same letters with different points, the same root. And the word shilem means it's when you go to the market and you buy something and you pay. Shilem. You paid it. You paid the price. So here's the same three letters that, that connected to the word shalom, but different words, different meanings. You got it? Now here comes the test. So we'll start with this group here. Let's see. I'm going to ask you a question and let's see if you pass the test. And then I'll go to the next one and we'll see who wins. Okay? You ready? Here's the first question. The word shalom. Peace. My question to you is this. Who is the prince of shalom? Excellent. You passed the test. Now let's go to this one. Second group. Let's see if you know this one. This one's a difficult one. Shalem. Whole. Who made us whole? Excellent, they passed the test too. Now let's go to this one here. Okay, let's see if you pass the test. They already passed the test. Let's see if you pass the test. Now this is the difficult one. Shalem, a peace offering. Who is our peace offering? Jesus. Hallelujah. Restore us back to God. Wow, you all passed the test. You all got A plus. This is great. Now I'm going to ask the last question, which is a very difficult one. And let's see if you pass that one too. Before you answer, think, think very good before you do. See, the fourth word is shilem, which means he paid the price for this. Who is the one who paid the price and it is finished? Jesus. Yeshua, Jesus. Bingo! You all succeeded. You all got A+. Plus. So why did I do this Hebrew lesson for you? on the house this morning. Very simple. Anywhere you looked at, shalom, shalem, 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 anywhere you make those words, you cannot separate it from the person, Jesus, the Messiah. You like this Hebrew lesson? Especially when you get all, all got A+. Plus. Now let's go to the scripture. I'd like to go with you to Isaiah 52. In Isaiah 52, it's a beautiful verse. In, in verse, uh, Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says this. 
How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings bad news. Do we read the same Bible? No. Who brings good news. Who proclaims shalom, peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation, Yeshua. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, what do we see here in the scriptures? Very clearly, that proclaim shalom and proclaims Yeshua, proclaims peace and proclaims salvation, they go hand in hand. You cannot separate them. What happens when you separate those things? Tell me what you get. A very nice humanistic piece. Signing a nice piece of paper that is okay for today and tomorrow you can throw it. So what is a true peace? True peace is when a person comes before his God and acknowledges that I'm a sinner, Lord. I need to repent. Lord, I repent of my sins and I accept the Prince of Peace into my heart as my Savior and Lord. And my peace is restored Amen? Amen? Is there another piece? If you believe there's another piece, I suggest you come forward. We're going to lay hands on you right now. <laughs> For it's too late. There is only one way. Why? Because Yeshua, Jesus, He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him alone. He is the Prince of Peace. And there is no peace without Him. Amen? Amen. Just checking I'm in the right place. This is, this is a church, right? Yeah. Just making sure that we are in the same, we believe the same book. Amen? Yeah. God is a wonderful God. And God promises to keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Why? Because He, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Prince of Peace, is going to come back to Jerusalem and reign forevermore. Amen. I believe it with all my heart. Do you believe it? Yes. If you don't believe it, come to the front. We'll lay hands on you. We live in exciting times. You may say, okay, okay this is nice, but uh, what exciting times are you talking about? I'm talking about prophetic times. What prophetic time? What prophetic are you talking about? Charlotte, North Carolina, what are you talking about? Come to Israel, I'll show you. But before you come to Israel, let's go to the Bible. Let's turn together to Ezekiel 36. Here is Ezekiel. I just need my water for a second. Next flight is tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, in fact, you can come also with us um, uh, in December, but if you like to come earlier, you can go with Judy and they can come earlier, so you can go with them. So you have two opportunities. Anyhow, let's go to Ezekiel 36. In Ezekiel 36, verse 17, I'll read a few verses. It says this, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defied it by their own ways and deeds. 18. 
Therefore I poured out my fury on them for the blood they have shed on the land and their idols which they have defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and deeds. 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you profane among the nations. 23. And I will sanctify my great name, which you profane among the nations, which you profane in the midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, Adonai, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. Verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations, give you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Let's stop you for a second. I just read a prophecy of this wonderful man, Ezekiel. This prophet Ezekiel. Now, when did Ezekiel live? 400 years ago? 500 years ago? A dozen years ago? What do you say? Five years ago? Long time ago. Wise man. Okay. 2,600 years ago. So, can you imagine? If today the prophet Ezekiel will come alive and come to the city of Charlotte and say, city of Charlotte, I have a prophecy for you. And everybody comes together. Yes, the prophet is going to give us a prophecy. And he goes, because of your sin, God is going to take us and take us and cast us away to the nations. And we're going to make your land desolate. Wonderful. They probably want to pick up the stones and throw them. We don't need this kind of prophecy. Get out of here. But this is the prophecy, this prophet of God. Gave all the people who served because of their sin. And this happened. 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. The people of Israel were scattered. The land was left desolate. There was no more the people who served. The Jews were taken as slaves to Rome. But then God says that all this time, He's going to do this. And then one day, He's going to take us from all the nations and bring us back into the own land, our own land. Why would He do that? He just said it. I will do this for my holy name's sake to show the nations that I am God. Oh, now you're, you're making it political. I talk politi politics? I'm, I'm just reading the word of God. If you have a problem with that, that you really have a problem with God. See, God said he will do this for one reason. To prove what? That God is God. He's in control. What he promises, he fulfills because he's a faithful God. God is a faithful God. Amen? What he says comes, comes to pass. And who gets the glory? God. So you may say, oh, okay, that's nice. So this is what happened with the Jewish people, you know, but nice promises, but what this has to do with me? I live here in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's nice for the people in Israel. I live far away from there. That's a good point. But you know, there are so many promises in this Bible for you and me. And guess what? You don't have to be Jewish. There are so many promises there that is for you and me and God has promised this for you and me. And all we need to do is believe them and trust Him and it will come to pass in our life. Well, I don't know. I don't see it. Well, you better start seeing it and pray and stand until this will come true in your life. And you know what the good news I have for you? You don't have to wait 2,000 years. Maybe you want to. No? Okay. Just checking. God is a faithful God. God is a good God. There's so many promises in this Bible for you and me. 
male, female, Jew or non-Jew. Because he loves us, he's a faithful God, and what he promises, he fulfills. Oh, I love it. God gave me a dream. God spoke to me about this, but nothing happened. So, you give up? Since when? What's wrong with you? Wake up. You pray, you fast, you take whatever it takes. You stand on the word of God and believe God and trust Him that He will do it. And I tell you, you can trust Him. I tell you, you can believe Him for the breakthrough in your life. How do you know this? Because God is a faithful God. God is a good God. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? So simple. So let's go back to this book to this prophet Ezekiel. So here's Ezekiel saying that he's going to take the Jewish people because of their sin. He's going to cast us to the nations, but one day he's going to bring us back to our own land. Just think, for almost 2,000 years, this prophecy was sitting in the library and was doing something very important, collecting dust generation after generation after generation. And then in one day, in one day, a nation is born. The nation of Israel. And that scripture being fulfilled in front of our eyes. What day am I talking about? 14th of May, 1948. In front of our eyes. You're not very excited. Okay. I am excited. I'll tell you why. Because it's personal. You see, if I may just take a few minutes and share a bit my testimony. That's okay, Pastor? I shared it yesterday. Um, you see, my parents were born in, in Europe, in Bulgaria. My father was born in Sofia, Bulgaria. And when he remembers the little boy when the Nazis, the Second World War, the Nazis came to Bulgaria, to Sofia, Bulgaria, he had to wear the yellow star. As a little boy. A little bit younger than you. He had to put the yellow star wherever he went. People laughed at him, spitted at him. It was a shame. They were ridiculed. If they had shops, they were taken from them. And they were treated worse like the animals. Worse than animals. And then when the Nazis decided, okay, it's time to collect all the Jews because they want to put them in train to the concentration camps and kill them in the gas chambers, he and his brother decided, well, we have to run for our lives. So they went to the forest. And they lived in the forest for two years. And joined the partisans. So when the war was over, he was happy to come back home. And when he came back home, he was happy to see his mother they were so happy and said the brothers, but he lost his dad. So I never ever met my grandfather. Never met him. So when he came back home, he was happy the war was over, the Nazis were gone, he survived the Holocaust and the war. And then in 1947, he was a young man. He, and his, he came to Mama and said, Mama, I want to go home. This is not home. She said, Okay, son. So he and his brother took a ship from Europe. Israel, 1947. Well, at that time, the British mandate were in charge of the land of Israel. It was called then Palestine. And they had made a decision they would not allow Jews back into the country. I mean, after the Holocaust, after everything that they went through, they didn't allow them. So they took a ship, it was illegal, but they took a ship from Europe, and a small ship, hundreds of Jews, refugees running away from Europe, coming to Israel. And the British Navy caught them by the seashells of Tel Aviv and took them to an island called Cyprus and they put them in detention camp. Again, again. 
But praise God, it was not like the Nazis, okay? I have to say that. So here they are in detention camp, thousands of them in a camp in the island of Cyprus, and they were waiting for that day that they can go back home. Just think. Year after year, the Jewish people all over the world we celebrate Passover, Pesach. And during Pesach, we have a saying, a song we sing, next year in Jerusalem. For 2,000 years, we've been singing that song, one day we'll come back home to Jerusalem. And here is my dad in Cyprus, just one hour flight from Tel Aviv, and he cannot come home. And they were waiting, celebrating Passover, waiting and singing and praying that one day they can come back home. And that day came. May 14, 1948. When Israel declared independence, my dad and the thousands of Jews who were in that camp in Cyprus, and almost a million refugee Jews from Europe that ran away and survived the Holocaust, and almost a million Arab Jews in the Arab countries, there was a, at last, now we can come back home. The scripture being fulfilled in front of our eyes. A nation born in one day. Amen. And who gets the glory? So, as soon as our first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, proclaimed independence in Tel Aviv, and you may ask, wait a minute, why Tel Aviv? That's a good question. It should have happened in our capital, Jerusalem. The reason they didn't do it in Jerusalem is because already the Arab, our Arab neighbors declared war and started attacking. Jerusalem was divided. They were start attacking Jewish villages in the north and in the south. And, and we were under, under war because our neighbors declared war. And they said, oh, within a couple hours, we will wipe and throw all these half a million Jews that are in the land of Palestine. We'll kill them and throw them to the sea. In the natural, it should have happened. Why? I'll give you an example. David Ben-Gurion, before he proclaimed independence, he met with his few leaders that later on became the government. So here's the situation. Listen to this. He's sitting with his friends and said, okay, the last British soldier is leaving. May 14th, Friday night. We can proclaim independence. What will be the casualties by us doing this? So one friend says, don't do that. Then he said to another friend, well, we should send somebody to see the American Marshal, see what he says. He went to see the American Marshal, and the guy told him, Listen, we support you, but don't do it now. Wait. If you do this, it's suicide. The Arab nations, the Arab names are going to kill you. It's a suicide. Don't do it. Wait. That was the advice from the American Marshal. So then he asked another of his friends, and who was good with statistics, and he goes to him, Tell me, what are our chances? So that guy was very good with statistics. He said, Okay, let's see. We don't have tanks, but our neighbors have thousands, hundreds of thousands of tanks. We have no tanks. Well, in fact, there is two tanks in Haifa that the British is leaving. We can go and steal it at night and have two tanks. It's all tanks, but we can use them. What about airplanes? Well, we don't have airplanes, but there is one small airplane they left, the British left at the museum in Tel Aviv. We can go and take it. It's a small pipe, but we can use it. As, so we have an airplane. What about cannons? No cannons. What about navy? Nothing. What about guns? Well, for every four soldier, we have one gun and a few bullets. So David Ben-Gurion 
He was very discouraged. He said, don't tell me what we don't have. Tell us what is the chance. So the guy looked at him and said, you know what? 50-50. <laughs> he didn't want to discourage me. Because the statistics looks bad. He knew this is suicide. He knew that we are facing the impossible. We have five countries around us. Declared war, they have thousands of tanks and cannons and air force and army and bullets and guns and everything. And, with, and they already decided within a couple hours they're going to kill us and throw us at the sea. That's what should have happened. But they forgot something important. God. See, my Bible says, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. God did miracles upon miracles upon miracles. And who got the glory? God. See, it's very simple. Somebody needs to tell our neighbors they read the wrong book. You agree with me? This book is not just a book. It's life. Everything that is written here is truth. I believe it with all my heart. Do you? Do you doubt? I'm here, I'm going to lay hands on you. I cast out that spirit of doubt. Because this is true. Everything here is true and amen. God is a faithful God. All this happened, not to the glory of Israel, but to the glory of God. To prove what? He said, I'm going to prove the nations that through all this situation dealing with Israel, I'll bring them back and I'll show the nations that I'm a faithful God, what high promise I fulfill. Wow, this is good. Well, what about the nations? How do they fit in all this? You see, God in his smart way said, okay, I'm going to choose Abraham. And through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, whole nation of Israel to be a light to the nations. What are you talking about? Well, if we go back 2,000 years ago, the nations worshipped what? All kinds of gods. They were pagans. Who were the only people on earth that worshipped one God? The people of Israel. You don't believe me? Go to Greece. They have millions of gods. Go to India. They have millions of gods. Only those crazy people worship only one God. Ah. But God said, I'm going to use them. And through them, they will become light to the nations. But guess what? We missed it. But God did it. Because he brought a Jewish Lamb of God. Choosing 12 fishermen. 12 disciples that don't, they were not even graduated from the University of Jerusalem. <laughs> they came from Galilee. Oh. Fishermen, farmers. He oh. chose them and they went to the whole world and changed the whole world upside down and brought the light to the nations. Yeah. Meanwhile, God was saying, I'm going to deal with the nation of Israel. I'm going to take them out to the nations, cast them out for 2,000 years, and I'm going to bring them back. So the gospel can go to the nations. And the pagans can become born again believers who love and worship one God, the God of Israel. Wow, what a mastermind. So what's the end of this? You may say, well, according to this, it's going to bring them back to the land of Israel. That's about Israel. Wonderful. So the conclusion is, God has a moving company. He just moved Jews from here to there. <laughs> Wrong conclusion. That, that's, God doesn't have a moving company. 
God has a plan. Yeah. What is the plan? Plan of salvation. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Forget Israel for a moment. What is the plan of God for America? I know. See, I was born and raised in Israel, and when I finished my duty in my country, I, uh, I was in the Israeli Air Force for four years, and in Israel it's compulsory. Everybody goes to the, to the army. The girls, two years. Boys, three years. So, after I finished my time in the army, I was four years in the Israeli Air Force, I decided 30 years ago I'm going to come to America to explore America, and I wanted to American way. I want to go to every discotheque in town, every nightclub, and I said, I'm going to Las Vegas, I'm going to gamble and become rich. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Now you're laughing because you know the truth, right? <laughs> I was, see, what did I know? I was lost in sin. So I'll go the American way, I'll come to America. But God has another plan for my life. So, with this, I'd like to take another minute and share my testimony. Because, you see, I came to America as a Jew, just to become, to again be lost in the world. But God made it so that my sister came to the Lord before me. She got married, and she lived in Florida. So my first stop was to visit her on my way to Las Vegas. And there, on Sunday, she wakes me up and said, Avi, get dressed, come with me to church. And I said, Excuse me, what? <laughs> what did you say? But you know, we just don't go to church. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? <laughs> now, why am I saying this? Because that's the normal reaction you get from a Jewish person. You ask him to come to your church. That's the way they react. Please don't take it personal. You're doing great. Keep going. <laughs> so she challenged me to take my Hebrew Bible and come and check it out. I said, okay, I'll come and check it out. I'll take my Hebrew Bible. And I went to this. Baptist church with my Israeli Air Force pride, and I thought, I'm going to prove those Christians. They worship three gods. They worship idols of Mary and, and St. Peter. We Jews, we worship the true God. I'm going to prove they're wrong. I was for a good surprise. I went there and went to this church, this Baptist church, and they had a beautiful worship in the choir. And I walk in, and I'm looking for all the, where are all the statues of Mary? Where are all the statues of and idol worship, and the monks and the nuns, and I don't see any. Because this is what we know back home in Israel. Historical churches, there are dead, dead museums we talk about. And I didn't see that, but they started worshiping the Lord. And as they were worshiping the music, I was like, wow. And I looked at my sister, where are all the dead Christians? She said, it's not in this church. <laughs> and, but something happened. When I was looking at all these wonderful Christians just worshiping God, just like we did, well, a little bit like we did. <laughs> something happened. I was provoked to jealousy. I was provoked to jealousy. And then when the pastor came to give a message, he was standing there, I thought, uh-oh, he's going to talk about the religion. Oh, yo, 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 yo. We have enough religion in Jerusalem. You want religion? Go to Jerusalem. We have plenty of that. I'm from Tel Aviv. We like the beaches, the restaurants, nightclubs. And I, I'm ready to get up. So my sister is looking at me like, you better sit down and be quiet. So I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to this message. And the message is, God is a loving father. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. It's a sin that separates from a holy God. In the Old Testament, they had to bring sacrifice because the blood of the sacrifice may atone but now we don't have sacrifice because the Lamb of God came and paid the price. Yeah. Who is it? Jesus. 
When I heard it, I started crying. But then I said, I'm tough from the Israeli Air Force, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to listen to this nonsense. I fought it, but there was a war going on here. But I knew what he spoke was the truth. Anyhow, to make a long story short, I ran away, I didn't want to hear anything. But then somehow God brought me back and I heard it again. And to make a long story short, here I was one evening by myself in the room, thinking about what I just heard. And I realized this is the truth. And I started crying. And I realized as a Jew, I know about God. I know the traditions. I can tell you the history and the, the feast and the holidays. I know those things. But I don't know him. I don't have a personal relationship with him. And I started crying and I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in that room and I started crying and I fell on my knees and I said, Oh, Abba, please forgive me for my sins. I need Jesus into my life. And when I asked Jesus into my life, I literally felt the presence of that tongue and something lifted off of me and I became very light. See, when you hear the truth, and believe the truth, he set you free. And I was free and born again that evening for the glory of God. I'll finish with those other verses because I read verse 24 and I stopped there. And we, we cannot stop there because God has a plan. And as I said, he doesn't have a plan a moving company. He has a plan. And here's the plan. Verse 25. And I'll finish with that. Then I will sprinkle clean water in you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my justice and do them. Then you should dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Here is the plan. And I'm standing here as a living testimony that that scripture I just read to you is being fulfilled in front of your eyes. Now, I want to make it very clearly. I'm not standing here before you because of my beautiful Middle Eastern beard. Look at it. <laughs> or my beautiful Jewish nose. Oh, because I was four years in the Israeli Air Force. Look how strong I am. You know, all those things are filthy rags before God. Filthy rags. I'm standing here before you because of one thing. The blood of the Lamb. I'm standing here before you because of the grace of God. Yeah. That he saved a wretch like me. And I've come to know the Lord. <coughs> Gentiles. Baptist. He can use Baptist. He can use. Amen. Yeah. Let me give you a job description today for you guys. Can I give you a free job description? Free on the house? doesn't cost you anything. This is your job description. Provoke the Jew to jealousy. And please, do a good job. <laughs> because if you do a good job, all Israel should be saved. All Israel should be saved. Jesus is coming back. Do you want Jesus to come back? Yes. Oh, maybe you'd like to wait 2,000 years. Okay. <laughs> See, God has a plan. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, He is coming back. You see, for, and I'll finish with that. For 2,000 years, the body of Christ 
was growing, but it was half. Why? Only the gentle part. Until the Jews are back into the land. But now, God the Holy Spirit, slowly, slowly, is removing the veil from the Jewish people's eyes. And more and more Jews are coming to the Lord. In other words, the second part of the bride is coming to fulfillment. Which means the wedding is on. Are you ready for the wedding? Yeah. I don't know. Let me tell you what's happening in heaven. May I take another two minutes? Yeah? I'll finish with this. Can you just imagine for a moment the Father sitting in heaven and Yeshua Jesus on his right hand and the Son comes to the Father and says, Abba, is the bride ready? And for almost 2,000 years, he said, no, it's only half, it's only half. And then when the Jews are back to the land, now the Son is excited, he goes back to Abba, says, is the bride ready? Well, it's starting. It's starting. But she, the bride is now, she's in the shop measuring beautiful dress, wedding dress. Oh, this is exciting. The next day the son comes up because only the son doesn't know, only the father knows the date of the wedding. You see? So he comes back to the father, Abba, is the, is the, is the bride ready? She said, well, she's getting ready. Now she's at the hairdresser. She's getting her hairdresser. Hair, you know, saloon, whatever you call it. The next day, the son comes again. Yeah, I know I'm funny with my English. The next day, he said, Abba, is the bride ready? And he goes, well, now she's the manicure and pedicure. She's getting time. She's getting ready. After all this, the son comes again to the father. Abba, is the bride ready? And he goes, she's almost ready. And what happens to the groom? He's excited. You know what he does? He's buying his dancing shoes. You know why? Let me tell you something very important. It's a secret. The groom is Jewish. And he's preparing a Jewish wedding. Have you ever been in a Jewish wedding? Okay. Well, in case you haven't been, I can promise you this is not this wedding. This is not this wedding. I've been in a few weddings, but this is not this wedding the Jew the the Jewish groom is preparing. Here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. Is this a funeral? <laughs> a Jewish wedding, you know what they do? They have the canopy, and the, 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 the groom is there, is waiting for the bride, and the rabbi is there to do the blessings. He breaks the glass, and after he breaks the glass of the ceremony, guess what? They're all breaking, dancing, and rejoicing because it's going to be a great party. You don't like dancing? You better practice. Because it's going to be a great job. The groom is excited because the bride is getting ready. And who is the bride? Pastor Byron, will you come and stand with me? Just give me a minute. <laughs> the Jew and the non Jew who love Jesus will preach the gospel, make disciples, and love the Lord, and worship Him until He comes back. This is what it's all about.
the one new man. He's coming back soon. Thank you very much.